You say, the other day I was asking you about two ways of growth, renunciation and enjoyment, right? And the difference, from what I understand, is, is really not as great as it looks. The spiritual seeker renounces to enjoy, and the person who experiences enjoyment enjoys to renounce. Uh, the spiritual seeker renounces first, you might say. Life answers, so what? Leave the spiritual seeker to their seeking and the enjoyment to those who indulge in their enjoyments. You say, the way, of the, hedon the, the way of the hedonist, though, seems maybe to be the better one. The spiritual seeker is like a green mango, yes, separated from the tree prematurely and kept to open in a basket of straw. Airless and overheated, it does get ripe, but the true flavor and fragrance are lost. The mango left on the tree, enjoying itself, grows to full size, color, and sweetness, a joy in every way. Yet somehow... I don't know, spiritual practices seem to get all the praises and indulgences. Uh, spiritual practice seems to get all the praises. And, you know, my indulgence of last night, um, drinking half a bottle of wine, all the curses. As I see it, hedonism is the better of the two. Life answers, what makes you say so? You say, well, I watch... I take note of the spiritual seekers and their enormous efforts, even when they realize, uh, even when they realize themselves, right, you know, awakening, manifestation, all of that good stuff, there is something a little bit bitter, a little bit astringent about it. They seem to spend much of their time in trances, and when they speak, they merely voice, the, you know, some sort of scripture or some sort of uh, handed down... Um, wisdom uh, at their best they are like flowers perfect but just sort of you know but, but but just but just like flowers sort of shedding their fragrance within a short radius there are some others though who are like forests maybe this is you life you know rich varied immense full of surprises a world in themselves maybe there's a reason for this difference life answers well i think you've you've said it according to you uh, one may get stunted in their spirituality, while the other may flourish in their hedonism. You say, well, yeah, is, is it not like this? The spiritual seeker is afraid of life and seeks peace, while the hedonist is adventurous, full of spirits going forward. Uh, the spiritual seeker seems to be sort of bound by a kind of ideal, while the hedonist is, is ready to explore. Life answers, it is a matter of wanting much or being satisfied with little. The spiritual seeker is ambitious, while the hedonist is adventurous. We, we might even say merely adventurous, only adventurous. Your hedonist seems to be richer and more interesting, but is it really so in reality? The spiritual seeker, yes, is narrow, as the sharp edge of the knife is narrow. They have to be, to cut deep, to cut smoothly, to penetrate unerringly the many layers of the false. The hedonist, as we know, worships at many altars. The spiritual seeker serves none but their own true self. There is no purpose in opposing the spiritual seeker to the hedonist, comparing them, right? Hedonist, spiritual seeker, which is best? The way of outgoing energies... Um, you know, energy directed towards the world, uh, maybe that of the of the hedonist, um, necessarily precedes the way of returning ones. Energy is directed towards our energy directed towards our inner experience. That is maybe that more of the spiritual seeker. 
to sit in judgment and allot marks to, to either of them is, is kind of ridiculous. Everything contributes to the ultimate perfection of, of this. Some say there are three aspects of reality, truth, wisdom, bliss, the animal who seeks truth becomes maybe a kind of spiritual seeker. The one who seeks wisdom becomes wiser. And the one who seeks happiness becomes an active, pleasure-focused creature. You say, we are told of the bliss of non-duality. Can you speak of this? Life answers, such bliss is more of the nature of a great peace, shall we say. Pleasure and pain are the fruits of action righteous and unrighteous. You say, what makes the difference? Life says, the difference is between giving and grasping. Whatever the way of approach, in the end, it all becomes one. You say, if there be no difference in the goal, why, why are we discriminating between various approaches? Life answers, let each act according to their own nature. The ultimate purpose will be served in any case. All our discriminations and classifications are, are quite all right, but they do not exist really for life. As the description of a dream may be detailed and accurate, though without having any foundations, so does your pattern fit nothing but your own assumptions. You know, that kind of binary, uh, hedonist, spiritual, whatever. You begin with an idea and you end with the same idea under a different garb. You say, okay, life, how do you see things? Life answers, one and all are the same to me. The same consciousness appears as being and as bliss. Consciousness in movement is bliss. Consciousness motionless is being. You say, still, you are also making a distinction between motion and motionlessness. Life answers, non-distinction speaks in silence. Words carry distinction. All words have binaries, good, bad, right, wrong. Words carry distinctions. The unmanifested has no name. It is silent. All names refer to the manifested, to language. It is useless to struggle with words to express what is beyond words. Consciousness is spirit. Consciousness is matter. Imperfect spirit is matter. Perfect matter is spirit. In the beginning, as in the end, all is one. Also, all division, you might say, is in the mind, and there is none really in reality. Movement and rest are states of mind and cannot be without their opposites. By itself, nothing moves, nothing rests. It is a grievous mistake to attribute to mental constructs absolute existence. Nothing exists by itself. It's all just connected, interconnected. You say, you seem to identify um, rest then with a sort of supreme state. Life answers, there is rest as a state of mind, and there is rest as a state of being. The former comes and goes, while true rest is the very heart of action. Unfortunately, language is a mental tool and works only in opposites, in binaries. It's really hard to convey all of this in this kind of um, conflicted language. You say, as a witness... Are you working or are you at rest? Life answers, witnessing is an experience and rest is freedom from experience. Witnessing is an, ex is an experience and rest 
is freedom from experience. You say, but can't they coexist as the tumult of the waves and the quiet of the deep coexist in the ocean? Life answers, beyond the mind there is no such thing as experience. Experience is a dual state. You cannot talk of reality as an experience. Once this is understood, you will no longer look for being and becoming as separate and opposite. In reality, they are one and inseparable, like roots and branches of the same tree. Both can exist only in the light of consciousness, which again arises in the wake of this sense of, I am. This is the primary fact. I am. Conscious. If we miss it, we miss all. You say, is the sense of being a product of experience only? The great sayings and mantras of the world, are they just sort of, I don't know, mental gyrations? Life answers, whatever is spoken is speech. Whatever is thought is thought. Actually, life actually says, whatever is spoken is speech only. Whatever is thought is thought only. The real meaning is unexplainable, though experienceable. All of our wise sayings are true, but our ideas about them are often false. For all ideas, <laughs> all thoughts, everything in the mind, ultimately is kind of false, apart from consciousness. You say, is the, convict the conviction, I am, I am that, is, I, mean, I mean, isn't that also false, right? I am, isn't that false? Life answers, of course, conviction is a mental state. In that, right? I am that. There is no I am awareness, consciousness, with the sense I am, with the sense of I am emerging. You know, uh, the that is obscured. As with the sun rising, the stars are wiped out. But as with the sun comes light, so with the sense of self comes a kind of spiritual bliss, if you like. The cause of bliss is sought in the not I. And thus the bondage begun the, the bondage begins. That's a bit confusing. Let me read it again. Of course. So the, the the question is, is the conviction I am that, right? I am, I am that, false. I am this, I am that. Life answers, of course. Conviction is a mental state. In the in the that of I am that, there is no I am really. It's all about the that. With the sense of I am emerging. Um, so with the sense of I am emerging, the that, uh, however, becomes obscured as with the sun rising, stars are wiped out. But as with the sun comes light, so with the sense of self comes this kind of spiritual bliss. The cause of bliss is sought, if you like, in the not I. Um, I presume this is the meaning of not that. And thus the bondage begins. I'm still lost, but anyway. You say, in your daily life, are you always conscious of your real state? Life answers, neither conscious nor unconscious. I do not need convictions. I live on, for want of a better word, I live on, on courage. Courage is my essence, which is the love of life. The love of life is courage, and courage is the love of life. I am free of memories and anticipations, unconcerned with what I am and what I am not. I am not addicted to self-description, such as, I am Nisargadatta, I am an old man, I am a teacher, I am someone who has information to uh, share. These are no use to me. I, I, I guess I have the courage, or I have found the courage, to be as nothing and to see the world as it is. Nothing. It sounds simple, and it is simple. Just, just try it. 
you say, but what gives you this, this courage, this existential courage? Life answers, I don't really understand that question. I mean, need courage be given? Uh, your question implies that anxiety is the normal state and courage is abnormal. Uh, you know, anxiety, the fear of life, is the normal state and the, and the love of life is abnormal. But maybe it's the other way around. Anxiety and hope are born of imagination. And I'm free of both. I'm just a simple human animal and I, I need nothing to rest on other than this. Uh, other than this. You say, unless you know yourself, of what use is your being, the thisness of your being to you, to be happy with what you are? You must know what you are. Life answers, being shines as knowing. Knowing is warm in love. Being shines as knowing. Knowing is warm in love. It is all one. You imagine separations and you trouble yourself with questions. Don't over-concern yourself too much with these kind of formulations. Pure being, it just cannot be described. You say, unless a thing is knowable and enjoyable, it is of no use to me. It must become a part of my experience, first of all. Life answers, it seems like you are dragging down reality to the level of experience. How can reality depend on experience when it is the very ground of experience? Reality, all of this that is happening around us as we talk right now, is the very fact of experience. It just, it just is. And, you know, experience, however, is a state of mind. While being reality, all of this going on, the sky, the trees, the birds singing, etc., etc., is definitely not a state of mind. I mean, look around. Well, is this a state of mind? No. You say, again, I am confused. Is being separate from knowing? Life answers. The separation, I think, is an appearance. Just as a dream is not apart from the dreamer, so is knowing not apart from being. The dream is the dreamer. The knowledge is the knower. The distinction is, as with all distinctions, merely verbal. You say, I can see now that truth and consciousness are one, but what about pleasure? Being and consciousness are always present together, but bliss flashes only occasionally. It seems, it seems to exist outside this realm of just being and consciousness. Life answers, the undisturbed state of being, the undisturbed state of being is bliss for want of a better word. The disturbed state is what appears as the world. In non-duality, there is bliss. The bliss of there being no... Do <laughs> the bliss of everything being... being the, the bliss of everything being. In duality, however, there is experience. What comes and goes is experience with its duality of pain and pleasure. Bliss is not to be known. One is, or one can be, always in bliss, but never blissful. Bliss is not an attribute. I am not blissful. I am. Bliss is not to be known. One is always in bliss. The I am is bliss, but never blissful. You say, I have another question to ask. Some spiritual seekers attain their goal, but it is of no use to others. They do not know or not able to share their their attainment, I guess. Those who can share out what they have initiate others. Where lies the difference? Life answers, there is no difference. Um, you know, sorry to say this, but your approach is wrong. There are, there are no others to help. 
A rich human animal handing over their entire fortune to their family has not a coin left to give to a beggar. So is the wise human animal, stripped of all their powers and possessions. Nothing, literally nothing, can be said about them. They cannot help anybody, for they are everybody. They are the poor, and also their poverty. They are the thief, and also their thievery. They are the anorexic, and their anorexia. The alcoholic, and their oblivion. The depressive, and their depression. How can they be said to help when they are not a part? Who thinks of themselves... Who, the person who thinks of themselves as separate from the world, let them help the world. You say, still, there is duality, there is sorrow, there is need of help. By denouncing it as a mere dream, nothing is achieved. Life answers, the only thing that can help is to wake up from the dream. You say, well then surely an awakener is needed. Life answers, who again is in the dream? The wakener signifies the beginning of the end. There are no eternal dreams. I'm going to read this again. So you say an awakener is needed and life answers, who I think life is saying here, who again is in the dream. It's not a question. An awakener is needed. Who again is in the dream. So the, the awakener themselves are in the dream. The awakener signifies the beginning of the end. There are no eternal dreams. You say... Even when, okay, so there are no eternal dreams, but even when the dream is, or the awakener is beginningless, life answers. Everything begins with us. What else is beginningless? You say, well, I began at birth. Life answers, that is what you were told. Is it so? Did you experience yourself beginning? Do you see yourself beginning? You say, I began just now. I began asking you a question. All else is memory. Life answers quite right. The beginningless begins forever. The beginningless, that which doesn't begin, begins forever. In the same way, I give eternally because I have nothing. To be nothing, to have nothing, to keep nothing for oneself is the greatest gift, the highest generosity. You say, but... Really? Is there no self-concern left? Life answers, of course I am self-concerned, but the self is just another facet of experience. The self that gets concerned with the self is another facet of experience. In practice, it really just takes the shape of a kind of goodwill, unfailing and universal. Really, that's what it's about. Goodwill, unfailing, universal. Bob's your uncle. Let us call this... Let us call this goodwill, unfailing and universal. Let us call this love, all-pervading, all-redeeming. Such love is supremely active without the sense of doing. Love does not require a self to exist. Love does not require a self to exist. <laughs>